We brought you damn good beer and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can get with the Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar. That's right, we couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. You can all come down and hang out, build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef burger, add all the toppings you want, enjoy it at the watch parties, and enjoy it with the finest beef. Hassle Cattle is now offering DNVR listeners a buy three, get one free on their flank steaks. These delicious steaks are lean, very flavorful. They should be uh, thinly sliced against the grain when carving, an ideal choice if you're looking to marinate it. Mm, that sounds bomb tonight. These steaks are super affordable at $9.99 a pop. If you buy three, you get one free. Use the code DNVRFLANK, that's D-N-V-R-F-L-A-N-K at checkout. So you buy three, get one free. You can also still use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your entire order. We've got the 4th of July coming up. It's peak grilling season. I don't know why anybody would want to be grilling anything other than Hassle Cattle Company. At this point, I'm pretty much ruined for other meat. I have yep. cattle farmers in my family. Can't even buy beef from them anymore because I'm, I'm a hassle guy through and through. Use that code DNVR10 for 10% off your entire order. Any orders over $200, you're going to get free shipping. Do not miss out on these killer deals. You can also use DNVR Flank for buy three, get one free on the Flank Six. Shout out Hassle Cattle Company. Shout out to you guys. Welcome back to the DNVR Draft Podcast. I'm Justin Michael. I'm here with Andre Simone, Jake Schwanitz, Henry Chisholm taking the day off. He's out golfing, uh, just not committed, not In a grinder. Montana. No, he's with family. That's I'm, I'm throwing shade. I had to throw oh, a little bit because, uh, I mean, if he's not here, I got to pick on him, right? I like I it. To. I like it. And if he is here, you got to pick on him. That's <laughs> true. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. That's the role he's carved out, carved out for himself. Um, but no, this is a good one. Um, I'm glad we can do this. It's full off-season pod mode. So we get to talk to some of, some of the matchups we're looking forward to the most in the third segment. But right now we want to get into this NIL stuff. Um, kind of look back, look forward, all, all the good stuff that's there. I'm, we're all really looking forward to segment two. So stay tuned for that. Um and yeah, Justin, why don't you uh, kick us off since this is uh, right in your wheelhouse, the whole topic of the NIL. And uh, before we even get into some of the profitable stuff, I want to kind of pick your brains on how you think this could change the outlook for some programs um, going forward and kind of just the beast of college football, because this is massive right now. It's crazy how fast this all happened. Yep. I yep. mean, we went from the NCAA basically being like over my dead body to, eh, all right, I guess you guys can make a little bit of money in a matter of about three or four months. I mean, that's how fast a lot of this kind of got into place. It's, it's really cool. I mean, these athletes are going to have an opportunity to, you know, make some money off their name, image, and likeness. And that's obviously long overdue. It's one of the big reasons we lost the NCAA football covers uh, or the NCAA football games. That's one of the things we're going to talk about today in the sec second segment, if we would have had NCAA football this entire time, who would have been on the cover each year? Really looking forward into getting into all of that. But as you said, you know, this can this has the potential to be a, a game changer, especially for programs that do this right. And, you know, obviously there, there's always going to be a gap between the haves and the have-nots in college football. If you're a CSU, you're not going to have the type of resources that an Alabama, that an Auburn has. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, especially if you're rolling, you have an opportunity to say, you can come here, you can get playing time, you can get exposure, 
and you can make a little bit of money because if you're a superstar, if you're a big fish in a small pond, you know, I, I think there's going to be some really big opportunities for those type of guys, you know, for a Richard Higgins looking back at CSU, you know, he would have been a great example of a guy that could have made, you know, some decent money with some marketing opportunities. So it's just, it's really exciting to see that, you know, the, the wheels changing and, and I'm curious to see how it kind of benefits the schools that do well, especially, you know, if you're a, a program like Creighton or Gonzaga or Wichita state, where you are the biggest ticket in town, you know what I mean? There's, there's yeah. no pro sports to market around. These guys are going to have some great opportunities. Yeah, there's so much with this. Um, like Sorry for, for just throwing so much at you no, guys, by no, the way. I felt like I was no. rambling for minutes For starters, there. I wonder if big, like uh, colleges in big cities, the Washingtons, the USC's, the UCLA's, um, to a lesser extent, Rutgers, but that's always kind of cited as like, a, it's in a big TV market, though it's clearly not like in Manhattan. Um, and I'm, I'm, those are just a couple I'm spitballing, but there are like a gajillion examples of that. Uh, I mean, college football to this point has be, really become ruled by conference TV money and basically booster money. And that's all kind of created by the momentum of winning. Um, so it's kind of self-fulfilling. Now this is going to open up some other marketing avenues, you know, like CSU, I think it's easy to poo-poo it, but you're talking about what a, a student base of like thirty thousand um, yeah, kids. I mean, just undergrad, so yeah, just undergrad, and it's growing by the year. It's got the largest alumni base in the Denver metro area. So we're there's a lot of businesses there. You know, a lot of people who might be saying, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have the you know quarterback of CSU football be on a radio commercial or you know tweet about who knows, you know, so-and-so sandwiches or whatever auto supply, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I think the massive alumni bases like that could also prove to be very profitable for these student athletes. And I don't know, Jake, I mean, I, we're already seeing the immediate results, but like in its impact on the standings, this is probably five years out. But this kind of is the beginning of a new era, and you you pair that with the playoff expansion. It does seem like the little guy, like in a in a sport that's been dominated by Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State, all of a sudden these other programs are getting some different avenues to compete in. I think that's all you can really ask for as a yeah. fan of college sports and college football is a more level playing field, um, and just finally seeing these athletes get what they deserve and rightfully earned. Frankly, it's uh, breath of fresh air. The first thing I think of though, when I think of the NIL stuff is guys like, um, you know, um, Nick Chubb and, uh, what's his name? Jalen Smith, uh, were fortunate enough to able to recover from their dramatic injuries in college, but guys like, you know, Marcus Lattimore or Mackenzie Milton, uh, guys that potentially had their careers ruined because of injuries yeah. in college. I think of those guys because oh, those are man. the guys that really could have benefited from this. And, you know, those schools were making tons of money off those guys yeah. and they get hurt. And now it's them just on their own, just having to deal with these injuries for the rest of their lives. So uh, it's just nice to see that we're finally turning the corner here and modernizing college football, college sports in general. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, there are some great examples of whether it's injury or just not pounding out in college, 
I think some of the guys who would have made the most money in the history of the sport had NIL been a thing for like the last hundred years um, are guys who really didn't end up making much at all in the pros. I mean, who would your guys be like the most profitable dudes of all time in, in college football and beyond, I guess. Well, there's a lot of different ways to think about it because I think back in the day, pre-social media, pre-internet, there probably would have been less marketing opportunities for players as a whole. I think the internet makes it so that smaller players, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily have to be the, a Heisman winner or a superstar. But I also think that back in the day, those people that were recognizable, the people that were on SportsCenter, that were on newspaper covers, magazine covers, they would have raked in. You know, I'm thinking of like a, you know, like a Brian Bosworth. He didn't do anything in the yep. NFL. Yep. But he's as big of a college football superstar as there was. His face was everywhere. I mean, the the clothing opportunities with the boss, they could have sold towels. I mean, there would have been all kinds of opportunities for him. TV gigs, magazines, he would have been making money on all of that and stuff they probably had to do anyways and just, you know, didn't make anything because they had to keep their amateur status. But those are the, it's kind of interesting to see uh, the, the different dynamics and I guess like how it would have changed over time. But I'm, I'm excited to kind of get into this. Jake, who are, who are some of the guys that come to mind for you in terms of the, you know, college football players that really would have raked it in? I know Andre talked about this on the Denver sports cast yesterday. Um, I hope you guys checked it out. It was a lot of fun to listen to, but I, I just wanted to piggyback off of it. Cause I didn't get an opportunity to be on there and, and yeah, neither did sure. Jake. Well, um, immediately you have to think of guys like Tim Tebow or Johnny yeah. Manziel, right? Yeah. I mean, these these guys were icons. Got the bag. Yeah. yeah. Uh Robert Griffin the third also. Dude, he was total. in college. Yes. An animal. Um yep. so is I, Tebow I mean, is Tebow the biggest college football player of our lifetime, just in terms of like what his peak status was? I mean, he was pretty dang big. He was a force. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he's on CBS midday every single Saturday. Like there was no way to not see the Gators if you were following college football even slightly. He's on the national stage from the time he's a freshman where he's coming in in special packages to um, spot leak. Then he wins the Heisman the next year on not one of the better Florida teams. And they're contenders, and he's a finalist those next two years. Even him returning to Florida, which should have been like, Mill Kuyper should have been like, yeah, obviously he's coming back to Florida. Like he has no chance as a pro. Um, but that was like a massive deal. He just was able to maintain this windom of momentum and fame as a college athlete. I think more than just about anyone else. And that's that's what's huge beyond his like cult fame and the fact that he was just like the guy for a big stretch there. SEC then, money. Yeah. I think of uh, Maurice Claret too, a guy that seemingly Great. ruined his college yes. career because yes. of this. And, you know, if he played, you know, this year, maybe next year, instead of 15 years ago, we're talking about maybe a completely different story. The biggest what if of this entire thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. Is uh, if this was there now, what and then maybe Maurice Jeremy Claret? Bloom. Jeremy Bloom, yeah. I mean... That's a different context. Jeremy Bloom was a good college football player and, right. and you know, an electric playmaker, but it, he wasn't, you know, going to be like a top 10 NFL pick, which Claret was kind of in that conversation for like, see like a top five type player, you know? Well, and he, I mean, 
we you're coming up with some good ones like Bosworth, Claret. Um, you know, I was thinking Flutie because of the kind of cult hero he was and never panned oh, out yeah. in the pros. That's a guy who would have made like five times what he ended up making. Um, God, the, had... the Hail Mary. I mean, that alone, like Arte talked about Cordell's, you know, the miracle at Michigan, how marketable that yep. would have been. I mean, yep. Flutie's I mean, Hail, the Mary Hail Mary for the win. Sure. I mean, we're all like that happened when we weren't like old enough to know you guys weren't alive. Yeah. Um, but we all can reference the Doug Flutie. Um, you know, and you could go even further back. Like you talk about sports center dominating things. Roger Staubach at Navy was a bigger deal than like any NFL player, you know, and how much money could he have made? Um, so it, it really is interesting though. Those big college stars, it doesn't always pan out in the pros. And I think that's where, um, where you're really going to get these guys to capitalize. A tweet just came in that, um, Alabama's quarterback Bryce Young has signed with an agency for them to help him out and navigate NIL opportunities. So, I mean, this is just, it's evolving literally as we're speaking right now. Um, it is going to be chaotic. I'm, I'm curious. It's going to result in some, some problems for some of these teams. So I'm, I'm curious to kind of see how all this happens. I'm not, I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade or be like, these kids shouldn't get played. I'm not going full Dabo Sweeney here. Who's, threw another fit about this and basically said, I'm going to walk away. These kids are too entitled. He said with his $93 million contract, but I just, I, I do think it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how these schools navigate it. Just because like we said, oh, this yeah. changed so quickly. I mean, it literally went from like a, we'll see, or like, is the court going to uphold it to yep. July 1st, let's do it. Well, I think of a program like Texas. I mean, they've already got their own network. Um, right. That's just a huge, I mean, it's already a huge factor in recruiting in general, I think, but now that you can really kind of tie in uh, sponsorships or whatever else in that department tied to NIL to the Longhorn Network, I mean, that's just a huge opportunity and it's going to be a huge factor in the future for recruiting these kids. Yeah, and it's an Zach entirely Wilson new BYU, frontier. Like, right, yeah, BYU, I mean... It's just a new frontier, and we're going to see how programs navigate taking advantage of it and not overextending yourself. Um, but that's going to be the big thing. Like, how many things can you sign up for? You know what I mean? Because it it is an intensive schedule if you're a college football player. You don't have a ton of free time, so yeah. It, it, you know which which guy blows their college career on deals? I don't know, I, but it's fun to see. Well, and does it just become a deal like? the Texases, the Alabamas of the world just make their setup more corporate. So it's just like, Hey dude, we, you know, those shots we took in front of a green screen during the preseason, we're just going to use that in this campaign because we promised you we would be able to Good point. bring in a hundred K for you this year, you know? And, and all of a sudden there start to be unwritten contracts of like, we can guarantee a certain endorsement because we just have like, an open contract with this sponsor and that sponsor that we give to our star player every year. Um, so well, think about like if Nike stuff. had that deal with Oregon, how much money Marcus Mariota would have made during, you know, the height of his career. Like if all of a sudden yeah. Nike, Phil Knight was just like, no, like Mariota is going to be a, a Nike guy already. Well, that's the other thing. Now it opens you up to you don't have to wait on signing that shoe money, which is really the life changing deal. Um, now you could, you could potentially sign that as a freshman. 
Yeah, Zion like would have had his shoe deal exactly. his freshman year at Duke. Yeah. How do we think the NFL and NBA feel about this, though? Because I think it's kind of a double-edged sword because you are going to be able to see how these guys really respond, you know, to the attention, to the fame uh, earlier than they would before. So you could really kind of pick out, I guess, who's really truly a team player and who's kind of just in it for the money uh, at an even earlier point, I think, right? Well, and from a draft standpoint, I think we've we've beat around this bush, but I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we've been able to come up with so many names of guys who would have been really prof- the most profitable college athletes of all time, and all of them didn't pan out. Obviously, there are exceptions to the rule, but you know, you can add, let's add Reggie Bush, Vince Young, Ricky yeah. Williams, who had a very turbulent career. How much did that early success, did that just abundance of fame as an amateur athlete impact them? And will getting paid change things? Will it make it feel even, you know, would would Johnny Manziel have kind of crumbled even earlier because it, it made it less fun? And I don't know. I don't, it's going to be really interesting, but I think you're on to something and I think we're on to something in general with like, it, it, is this going to change how those overwhelming cult hero stars in the college game now translate because they're getting paid because they're maybe not feeling that same pressure of like, man, I'm already a star, but now I actually need to make my money. No, maybe Johnny football doesn't flame out if he makes, you know, a little bit of money and it, you know, it's exponential growth instead of going from, I make nothing to all of a sudden I'm a first round pick multimillionaire. I got money to throw around. Like it's nothing. I mean, everybody's different. You know what I mean? It's not like we can just, group every single Absolutely. every athlete into a box here but johnny's different, it, it is though, too. it is something to yeah. Evo- yeah johnny johnny football is he, he came from money yeah so he yeah. Uh, he's just a party guy i mean i don't know I following him on social of, media is <laughs> they were yeah, like I mean, johnny manzel might be the guy when talking about who would have made the most one because the social media you know he was like coming up during the peak of twitter's rise instagram all that but you know swagged out white boy texas a&m sec no. money there, there's a lot to work with there. Someone had a moment there too. Like that, that whole offense was exciting. Um, yeah, he's a unique case, but it, it will be interesting. And I don't know, man, maybe it really is harder to keep these guys in check because they're all of a sudden you're making that much more money. So maybe Johnny's like flaming out halfway through a sophomore year. You know, never, never becomes the Johnny football, it, it, you know. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Well, I mean, um, he probably never has that. Well, was it his uh, sophomore or junior year? Remember, he was like suspended for the first half of a yep, game, right, or something. So that never happens in this world. It's a good point. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Maybe you're not as constrained with, oh shoot, I can't do this, I can't do that. I got to be careful about doing this because I got to keep it on the hush hush. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And how does it, you know, affect the finances of the colleges themselves? Like how much money is it taking out of their pockets? Ultimately, it's all just TV dollars. Um, So if you can take advantage of this, it's going to be a drop in a bucket. But maybe not. I mean, so truly. I want to see which players start trying to plug things on the sideline during the game. Like I'm I'm the third string quarterback. They're going to show me with a clipboard three times. 
and you're just wearing some like Gatorade hat or whatever. Like, did imagine Nick Saban just like flipping out on someone because he's not paying attention in the huddle because he's trying to make sure that the camera can see his his Powerade logo. <laughs> Um, Dre, do you remember when, I think it was when, uh, the Bush push, when USC played Notre Dame, uh-huh. that game, and, uh, they were interviewing Matt Leiner after the game. And he just said something like sports center is next or something like that, which was, I mean, of course he wasn't paid for it, uh-huh. but it just, I just remember it became a huge deal after that, that he said that because NCAA was like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Like we can't have ESPN giving the players money directly and advertising their shows and blah, blah, blah. Oh, just amazing. so many ridiculous things. And I mean, so li- Liner, like, it, if a guy like Liner's getting paid, but Liner's final year at USC, he would, he played football, did a bunch of talk show hosts, shows, and he took one class. I think it was ballroom dancing. It was golf. Dancing. Golf. Or, yeah, it was like golf or ballroom it, dancing. Or something. It was, it was some a gym elective. class. Yeah. yeah. Um, if that dude, and, you know, I, I saw some tweet. That they're estimating um, Reggie Bush would have made four to six million in NILs at his time. Let's let's say Liner brings in a third of that. Um, so the dude's raking in two million. He's taking one class. That's a Joe class. He's playing football um, and he's doing talk show hosts. Like, show me where that's not just an NFL player playing for USC. You yeah. know, like. So we've, we've opened that up. And I think in basketball, we're really going to see that even more. You're not going to see guys pressing um, to go to the NFL when it's premature. You know, the, the numbers have just skyrocketed year after year after year after year of underclassmen declaring in the draft. I don't expect this to completely kill that because, look, there are a ton of corners and uh, safeties and edge rushers who know the real money is going to be made at the next level, not with some, you know, crazy Carl's $50, $50,000 endorsement or something like that. Um, shout out to those guys. Um, but you know, it's so it's, uh, it's, but I do think guys like liner can stay a little longer in, in basketball. I really think you're going to see guys who, are forced to go the international route or, you know, now can just chill. And I mean, guys who it's too premature for them to declare as a freshman, I, I think they'll stay at Duke and rake in that extra coin as a sophomore and junior, you know? So this, from a draft perspective, we could really start seeing this impact things significantly, but I think it'll make the players a little more pro ready, which might be really nice. Uh, to piggyback off that, I mean, I think of guys like Cardell Jones, a guy that really kind of capitalized yes, off that big yes. year. Great yes. example, yeah. You know, like th- that. Two games. Wonder, <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's not, just that not a great year. Run. Two games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If guys like him are, you know, they're going to be more, I guess, inclined totally. to come back now because totally. they can still make money and they don't have to chase the check and immediately declare and try and make it, you know, just capitalize off those big two games in his case. Right, and a guy who becomes a court a cult hero, you know, um, what was his nickname? Nickname like Shot Shotgun Twelve or something. Um, becomes a cult hero, wins the Natty with Ohio State, big big deal, much like Maurice Claret, and uh, yeah, now he gets the bat. You know, he can also one of the strongest arms I've ever evaluated. That guy yeah. had.
All right. Anything else you want to cover on this, Justin? Or um... uh, I mean, we already dipped into it a little bit, but I'm I'm just curious to see which type of programs this helps elevate. You know, does does a program like Stanford benefit because all of a sudden some really rich tech alumni, you know, are are hooking up recruits with, you know, it, it seems like a long shot to me, but it could be a situation where. Or, you know, Oklahoma, does it help an Oklahoma state become a bigger deal in the, yeah. in the big 12 or, or does it just widen the gap? I mean, it's, it's, I'm just interested to see like how that dynamic all plays out. I think it'll help programs in big cities. And I think it'll help middle America. Like as you're talking, I'm thinking like Nebraska just regained a big edge. Um, I mean, think of their fans. They're a lot, exactly, their alumni right. base, the people that would do anything yep. for Nebraska to be relevant. Hell yeah, I'll give a kid $100,000 if he comes and plays quarterback in Nebraska. Like, that's the type of fans they have. Now, that's not exactly how the NIL would work, right? No, but... but It's such a big program that you're going to be able to find a lot of endorsement deals if you're any there's going to be a lot of loopholes, like, tweet about my business, and then it's technically NIL okay, you know what I mean? Because you're doing something for him, but... It, that's what I mean, though. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, this all happened so fast. Yeah. And I've talked to some people inside college football programs yeah, that are yeah. worried about it. It's yeah. It's going to lead to a little bit of uh, chaos here in these in these first couple of years that it that it happens. But I'm all for it. We needed a good shakeup, and yeah. it's been the off season of shakeup between college football playoff expansion and now the NIL. You know, hopefully we can spread this cookie a little bit more. You know, get the get the crumbs and get the scraps out to some of these other programs and stop letting, you know, Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state and Oklahoma just completely dominate everything. Cause I think, I do think it's bad for the sport. I'm an Alabama fan. I love seeing them in the playoff, but I think it's bad for the sport when 98% of college football fans are disinterested with the biggest event of the year because it's the same teams every time. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think you're spot on. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the the exciting topic before we do start talking about the the NCA covers and who would have graced them from 2015 through 2021. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new betters. My friends, my family, everyone has been loving DraftKings Sportsbook. I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100. All you got to do, pick an NBA team that is still in contention, bet on them. If they win, you win $100. That is in uh, site credits. That's an easy way to turn $1 into $100. Don't forget, if you're not into hoops, that's okay because you can bet on hockey, baseball, anything you want. Uh, Racing, fighting, it's the best. You name it, they've got it. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. If they do, you're going to claim $100 in free credits. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Wagers paid out. Site credits. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also got to shout out Green Mountain Dental Group. 
We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years, make them their permanent family dentist. Those listeners have personally reached out, let us know how great their experience was, and they wanted to thank us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. There's honestly nothing more rewarding for us than hearing from our listeners. So, you know, if you go hit up Green Mountain Dental Group, please tell us about your experience, especially if you make the switch. If you don't know, Green Mountain Dental Group, they're in Lakewood and they're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. They're Colorado sports fans, just like all of us, and they're absolutely great at their job. We're not just talking here, guys. Allie and Lindsay both had their wisdom teeth removed from Green Mountain Dental Group. Kind of a rough recovery process for both of them, but both of them just had to you know, rave about the, the customer service, about how attentive they were to their needs, making sure everybody was okay. So we really just love them. You use them, we use them. That's what I'm talking about. Schedule a cleaning, x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Tweet at us when you go there, tag us. Remember supporting our partners is a form of supporting us. Green Mountain Dental Group, best damn practice in the Denver metro area. I need to hit yes. them up. I'm about due for a teeth cleaning myself. Yeah, same is. is that I get it? anxiety about the dentist a little bit. I don't like yeah, uh, I don't like people it. being in my mouth, but no, no. You know, um, probably not the best time moments. to talk about that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not not a good place for a procrastinator either. Exactly. Um, yeah, lot, lots of places you can get away with procrastination. Dentist gonna come back to bite you. You delay that visit too long. It's uh you're gonna regret it once you're in that chair. Um though certainly the good people at Green Mountain will uh make that as painless as possible. You're done with reads? I'm done with the uh reads for now. We got one more let's down the line, it. but let's uh let's jump into this because I'm, I'm really excited let's. for this topic. NCA covers NCA football. You know, I think we all are big fans of the franchise, all excited for the possibility of it returning in the near future. The way I kind of did this was just basically I looked at, you know, who had great stats the year before, how did their team perform? I mean, it's really the only rationale I could think of that would make the most sense. So let's jump, just jump right into it. 2014 was the last year. So 2015, Jake, who would have been on your cover of NCAA football and why? So for NCAA 2015, I have five names, but the one I'm going to go with is Dak Prescott, quarterback of Mississippi Love State it. at the time. Hail um, State. Yeah. I Is this the year that they were number one? I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say yes. I believe yes, at one was. point they were, yeah. Yeah, so this is the year they went number one. Um, Dak Prescott, of course, came back after this year and wasn't drafted until uh, the year after this 2014 season, but just a massive season was in Heisman contention. Um, and frankly, just one of the best stories of the year. So. Bam Mullen offense. Um, I would go with three defenders, but who I would settle in with is Scooby Wright. The third. Let's go. Oh, yes. season. <laughs> he had dominated like 30 tackles for a loss. He was uh he was playing for an exciting Rich Rod team, you know, little little white linebacker who produced like hell. Um, he he wins out over uh, Joey Bosa and Jalen Smith, who of course was also a big deal at Notre Dame. Unfortunately, both Bosa and Smith would get injured, and uh, Scooby Wright would play like trash and go in the seventh round and never be heard from again. 
What's that? One of the all-time names. <laughs> yeah, he's also got that going for him. He's got the all-time name. Who would you have, Justin? I would have went with Marcus Mariota coming off of he led the, the nation on passing yards per attempt, second most passing touchdowns in the nation. One of those dudes that was a dual threat option, uh, 15 rushing touchdowns. But more than that, I just think it has to do with the Oregon hype. And there was a period there from about 2000, I don't know, 2009-ish to you know 2016 or so where I mean, it was just all about Oregon, you know, little kids around the country. They're wearing random Oregon hats, random Oregon jerseys. They love the swag. They love the flash. And he's kind of a perfect, you know, video game quarterback. Again, a guy who would have done really well for himself if he would have been able to brand himself back in his college days. Uh, But I got Marcus Martin. I'm really, I'm really happy how that first one went. I hope that we end up with as much, you know, diversity with our answers throughout this entire thing. I was a little worried that we were all going to come out and just like all say the same thing right off the bat and kind of kind of kill the excitement of the exercise. So, it's been a minute too. So, remind the people how the the covers established. It's a guy who just came out of college who's like a college stud. Usually yeah, the, so. Yeah, so at like, the time Scooby when the right, I jumped made. the gun. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking if NIL was a factor back then, right? So anyone right. could have been. Yeah, anybody Good could point. be on it. Good point. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, sweet. Right, they could switch up their method um, this time around. Okay, sweet. Love it. And I mean, because really the only reason they had to do that was because they couldn't like pay anyone back then. Yeah. EA always wanted to pay players, but they weren't able to due to right. the amateurism status. So it was a, a whole clusterfuck. But uh, let's, let's go to 2016. Dre? You go first this time. Um, I am going to go 2016. I am super torn between two absolute superstars at the time, Leonard Fournette or Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey. It was the year of the running back in 2015, dude. I had this in my notes. At all in 2015, you have Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And, um, Actually, my answer as well, who Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. I had Zeke written down for the year before because that was the year of the the um, the first playoff when they were the four seed and he just ran through Alabama and everyone. Oh, yeah, you're right. He probably would have been a better answer for 2015. Who you got, Jay? Still a good answer, though. Oh, um, totally. Can't go wrong. I had three guys written down. I had CMC, Derrick Henry, and Deshaun Watson also. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. think... If I had to pick, I'd go like a dual cover with like CMC, Derrick Henry. I think that'd be cool. Oh, I mean, it really it was that all year, you know, was that whole conversation, especially as it boiled down to the end, is who's going to win the Heisman, Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry? Both of them had record-breaking seasons. Henry broke the SEC rushing record for touchdowns and yards. Christian McCaffrey, I believe, broke the all-purpose yards record that year. So both of those dudes, insane. I like the idea of a co-cover because Christian – you know, being in Stanford, not getting the, the votes that he deserved. And again, I'm a Bama guy. Shout out Derrick Henry. I think he deserved the, the Heisman. But at least in this scenario, he would he would get his proper appreciation and be on the I got on the a, I got a couple more dual covers coming too, so it's gonna be fun. Oh man, love this. I think this might be the trickier one, twenty seventeen. Who would you go with? I'm letting you guys start. I'm going with Lamar Jackson coming off of that incredible 2016 season. Uh, I believe he won the Heisman that year. Yeah. Um, 
30 passing touchdowns, 21 rushing touchdowns, 5,000 total yards, 3,500 through the air, 1,500 on the ground. Just like Michael Vick type shit. You know, I, the, the, the epitome of a fun college football player. 100%. Yeah, he was incredible. And that was just his year. He was on fire. I'm going to go a bit homer here. I'm going to go Jabril Peppers. Ooh. I like it. He was kind of that guy, too. Yeah. Um, a very EA cover worthy guy. Well, um, with that in mind, I, oh, geez, I just have it right here. Yeah, I'm going to go Ed Oliver, who was a nice sensation back then. As well, I like the defensive love that Dre's bringing to the table because I, when I was putting my notes together, I was thinking that I was thinking you're getting a little, little too quarterback heavy and a little too offense heavy in general. We already got Scooby Wright and Ed Oliver in the first couple of rounds. I, I dig it. You know those um, uh, those, those meteoric uh, rises. Uh, I'm all about that. I'll throw another couple of guys out for 16 though. DD Westbrook, I thought was electric that year. Um, so I loved watching Great answer. him. And yeah. Corey Davis too. Mm, yeah. Yeah, for sure. We're on to 18 then. NCAA 18. Yep. Who, uh, who you Flying. got? Um, we got Jake. I got another dual cover here. How about Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle? Ooh, both Georgia backs. Go dogs! Get them both yeah. on the cover. That's, That's my cool. favorite fan interview of all the time, by the way. <laughs> yeah. The guy painted all in white, or is that what yeah, you're Yeah, painted about? all in white. Go dogs! <laughs> what a weirdo that guy is. Um, I'm with you, though. I don't play. Is that the best same team running back duo of the last decade? It, I, know this, I know this is a tough one yeah. throwing at you off the, on the spot here, but it's, it's hard to come up with a better one. In retrospect, yes, or at I mean, least it's not like right Lendale, Reggie Bush, Alabama, has, but yeah, yeah, you know, Alabama's been cycling out like you know, top 50 pick after top 50 pick. So at one time, there were like three top 50 picks all in the same running back room. I think McCaffrey and Bryce Love overlapped for one year, they did for a year, yeah. So, like, that's up know, there as well, you're kind of cheating, but. As a tandem who was producing at that level, yeah, they're probably the best since Reggie and Lindell. They were so good, dude. Yeah. God, they were good. They were incredible. Kind of crazy that none of those teams even reached a national championship, let alone won one. Yeah, uh, it's true. Georgia made the national championship with them. Not with those backs, though, at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they beat um, Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl game to in the semis. That was that that game. It was like fifty four forty eight. Well, the Tua to Devonte Natty, right? Yeah, uh-huh. that was twenty seventeen. Though I thought one of them was gone by that point. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. you're right. They were both there. Um, I would go Bryce Love. Almost tempted Good to one. do a double cover in seventeen of Love Jonathan Taylor. Oh, nice. Almost that would have been cool. Um, I'm clearly not quarterback heavy on these. No, I like it though. Cause it's, it's brings different perspectives and quarterbacks always get too much love anyways. You know, like the quarterbacks are going to get their glory. We don't need to necessarily give them every single cover too. Yeah. I mean, Baker would have been a huge, if this was an actual thing, yeah. Baker probably would have got the cover this year. Right. That's why I put in 2018 after yeah. coming off the Heisman 43 touchdowns, six interceptions, just a crazy mm-hmm. year. The funny thing is, and, and I'll jump into it, I was like, because I gave it to Baker, I did not give 2019 
to uh, Kyler Murray, even though I think he's probably the most (laughs) deserving, but I I wanted to shake it up. Who do you guys have for 2018 though? Um, 19, right? Yeah, it's definitely 19. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, uh, Jake. Um... I've got a few guys. I think I thought Devin Bush would be a fun one. Um, I think Gardner Minshew would have been incredible. Yeah. Um, and then I, I don't know, someone like TJ Hawkinson or something kind of different position would have been cool too. Gardner um, Minshew would have been epic. A a dual cover with both Iowa tight ends would have been fun. But yeah, Min- there you Minshew go. Minshew all the way. Sign me up for Minshew. And yes, I am very Pac-12 heavy, and that's just fine. I'm- <laughs> I have a I have a co-cover with Trevor Lawrence and Tua because both of them were phenomenal nice. that year. You get the Clemson Bama angle at that point. We're kind of in the heart of of that rivalry that you know has I guess it's still going, but has has grown over the last couple of years. But that's my first co-cover. What you got in a uh, twenty twenty, Dre? Yeah, I'm I'm going Burrow. It's the lame one, but he was. Just I think it's like, too. I think you have to sixty passing yeah. touchdowns, only six picks, and LSU was like. I think the only thing you could do is maybe say it's a co cover with him and Justin Jefferson, Jamar or or Jamar yeah. Chase. I mean, or Jamar geez. Chase. I mean, maybe you just go LSU and just let it be like four of them. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Make it like a LSU legacy game and just have basically the whole team just on the cover because <laughs> that team is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, full on like the, the I think the best team in college football history on, mm-hmm. on paper with who they competed against. I mean, is it crazy me to say that I think Bama still wins the title if Tua doesn't get hurt that year? No, it's not crazy. It's a valid point. It's not crazy. Because um, they were rolling, man. And you look at his numbers. Were. and I mean, getting robbed of that matchup was really... Uh, Sucked. Know, pretty heartbreaking. Right before us, like the week before that game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Do you, do you have a different answer, Jake? Or did you go the LSU legacy? Is that your actual answer? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I had... Uh, a burrow chased uh justin jefferson like duo um i also wrote down uh chubba hubbard he had a big year and then chase young chase yeah. young would have been cool just chase young, I seen. more defensive love yep and uh man this last one is kind of interesting 21 the covid edition yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to me, it is a dead heat between Zach Wilson and Devontae Smith. Like, dead heat between those mm-hmm. two guys. Yeah, I thought about whose year was it the most in college football, and immediately I thought Zach Wilson yeah. um, for last year. But, I mean, are we really going to let Devontae go all four years, having all the moments he had without a cover? It's our one chance to get a wide receiver, too. True. I put the it, it has to be first first wide receiver to win a Heisman in in what it was like almost thirty years. I know, bro, but you're gonna pass up the chance of Zach Wilson with a headband helmet off on the cover. That's a good point. He's got the perfect face. Like he'd be, a, you know, they'd market the hell out of it's it. Pretty for boy, itself. Wilson. Like maybe you do Zach Wilson front facing and Devonte making the behind there you go. over the <laughs> shoulder natty as a true That'd freshman. That'd be sick. Grab. Oh, EA, yes. we're available. Hit us up, guys. <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> 
Uh, well, we, you could even sponsor this segment if you'd like, Ian. Um, Strong argument for Trevor Lawrence, too. If he had never gotten dude, one going out 100%. just after the college career he had, just, you know, like, it, it seems natural, you know. All right, we'll give Lawrence. He's been the right. face of college football for three years now. Totally. I mean, yeah, because it's crazy. We haven't said Tua. We haven't. I mean, you've, you've thrown him out there as options. Yeah. We haven't. You know, when I asked Kate who she thought would have been, my wife, who she thought would have been the most profitable um NIL player, she, you know, recency bias, but she said Trevor Lawrence, which it's a good really tells you how much he was like on her screen. Well, um, I mean, especially after that freshman season. Totally. Man. Well, he's an, he kind of had a similar Tebow, of course, comes back for his senior year, but still T law was on your TV as a main guy for three solid years. Well, and after that, you know, Jake just brought it up, but after that freshman year where he has this meteoric rise, the, the marketing abilities there would have been insane. You know, you get mm-hmm. TV stuff and he's got the hair, you know, he could yeah, land like a, a head and shoulders type deal. be the Troy Polamalu. No, I, I think T-Law would have easily cleared 10 mil. Mm-hmm. Easily. Because there you're talking about national endorsements. He's got a TV deal. He's got, you know, head and shoulders, you just said. I mean, he's he's a Georgia kid, so you're going to have tons of endorsement uh, opportunities in Atlanta and stuff like that. The entire Southeast, frankly. Yeah, he would have raked. Just Yeah, like what rich Georgia banker, you know, throws down 100K at Trevor Lawrence to do one commercial to be the official, you know, quarterback sure. of whatever, whatever bank, you know. Yeah, and it would have been interesting to see what Tebow, uh, what Dabo would have had to say about about that if it was <laughs> yeah. his guy who was making more money than anyone else. So circle it's around, good. yeah, not to kind of go back and just like confuse everyone, but this just got me thinking again. Like, what about a guy like Justin Fields? I mean, when he's at Georgia and what he's making there, does he even consider transferring at that time because he's a Georgia kid playing for the Bulldogs? How hard do you think the Georgia boosters are going to be pushing to keep him there instead of letting him transfer away? Well, and the, is the financial pressure in play then maybe force Kirby's hand to play him over uh, from? That's, yeah, damn. You know, I wonder, so, does this lead to more transfers or less transfers? Just kind of piggybacking off of that. Because you could see it both ways. You know what I mean? I'm leaving because I want to be in a better market with more opportunities. Or it could lead to a situation where it's, you know, I'm not not playing quite as much as I as I would like to, but you know, these cat these checks still cash. So I I'm not that, you know, I'm not itching to to pack up and leave town. Sure. Well, that's I let's not kid ourselves. Starting and performing, producing at a high level is gonna be key to actually make money. To making the yeah. most money. Yes. It's gonna be like five dudes on a roster actually make money. Most of these guys are going to get like free sandwiches and stuff like that. They're going to stop getting dinged for stupid shit like that. Exactly. So, you know, a guy like Fields. Yeah. But, but for example, let's use, I don't know, one of the McCaffrey kids as an example. Maybe they're less likely to transfer to UNC and be with dad or to move away from Nebraska where you might be really raking it in because you're the starter and it's Nebraska and this and that. Maybe that changes some things in in where you transfer to. You know. Yeah. Speaking of Nebraska and, and college guys that didn't do much in the NFL, 
uh, Eric Crouch would have raked it in yeah. with those mm-hmm. Nebraska and all, especially during his Heisman years. I mean, who doesn't love a running quarterback? No. I think that's the most exciting player in college football is a absolutely. mobile quarterback. Oh, absolutely. It's the most exciting Not even college football. Yeah, just football. I love a good, I love a good aggressive defensive back as well. Hmm. Uh, there's just something I've watched too much. Michael Vick and Lamar, just that second where you see them pull it down and you just realize they're taking off. That's one of the most exciting like instances. Cause I mean, where, how far is he going this time? You know, Dre, did people believe in Michael Vick coming out of Virginia Tech? Obviously, he was a high draft pick, but were there like the dumb storylines floated around of like he's not going to translate or anything like that? I I don't remember well enough in details, but it's frankly insane to me knowing what I know now that a dude who didn't throw for 3,000 yards, didn't have a completion percentage over 60, just started one year, is left-handed, is undersized, right? Because he's like under 6'2", was first overall in a no-brainer. Yeah, even back then, the NFL was an, smart yeah, definitely enough an to anomaly. Like, well, this guy's just that good to where we're not going to care about the Bill Parcells rules. We're not going to care about this. We're not going to care about that. We're just going to take him and make it work. And for a minute, they really were. Um, but yeah, so I don't quite know. But um, Especially when you just look at Lamar, who was like 20 years later and 100%. wasn't even like considered a first round prospect by multiple teams. It's insane. And he was better than Vic in college. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's uh it's really crazy, but Vic did have a cannon for an arm. Well, and I also think then, what, like, yeah, I was going to say Vic had hit Vic's deep ball is like one of the best deep balls in terms of hitting guys in stride that I've seen. Totally. And time. I think back then it was maybe where the, the combine had peaked. So we were over-evaluating the combine. We're over-evaluating being able to throw it 80 yards from your knees and stuff like that. You know? Well, and I wonder how much um, the injury stuff with like RG3 and some of these guys made teams gun-shy on somebody like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you've got Vic in the back of your mind. You're like, yes, if it goes right, it's Michael Vic. But how many examples have we seen of guys that just get in the living hell beaten out of them? Yeah. Not not as many, I guess, now that I'm saying it. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are Russell Wilson runs around, it gets down. Oh, yeah. Baker Mayfield runs around, it gets down. Lamar avoids contact well. Like most of these guys are do a pretty good job of protecting themselves. Exactly. I mean, that comes I I guess, with just the evaluation process, though, right? Because like you said, I mean, being able to run and get down and like know when the play is over is a huge, huge like attribute and you know the guys like rg3 or cam newton who are a little less uh cautious with their body you obviously got to ding them a little bit more rather than your guys like uh i mean lamar i mean even he knows how to get out of bounds you don't see him taking big shots yeah and i mean elusiveness is so big with that mm-hmm. you know totally. being able being able to avoid that full-on hit and make it you know and russ is the ultimate Russ has turned sliding in into an advantage to where you're about to tackle and you've got him dead to rights. Now he slides. You, you made the smallest contact and he just tacked on 15 on you. I mean, it's genius the way he can use that. Um, 
it's almost like Harden-esque, but he's actually using yeah. the game's rules the way they're supposed to be applied. I love that you said that. Manipulate Harden-esque. That's a great comparison. I mean, it is. It's exactly what he's doing. He's manipulating it to draw because he knows if I do this, I move my body this way. It's going to look a lot worse than it is, but nothing's actually going to happen to me. And I'm, I'm playing it to my advantage. Totally. Now I know so why Russell Wilson infuriates me when I watch him now. It's because he plays <laughs> like James Harden. <laughs> it's like James Harden. It's really true. Um, yeah. It's not because you wish he was a Bronco. Uh, that's a different story for another day, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty much it in terms of the, the yep. NCAA football conversation. We can kind of branch into the non-conference preview talk about some games we're really excited about before we do though i've got one question for all of you listeners you got bush if you do why have you not trimmed your ball hair yet guys it is 2021 i don't know what you're doing luckily i've got the product for you our friends over at manscape.com are offering a 20 percent discount when you use the code dnvr you get the perfect package 3.0 kit with, which comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof, it's cordless, it's got an LED light on it to help you see what you're doing. You know, sometimes there's some weird angles, you need a little bit of light, you need a little bit of assistance. This is the best trimmer to help you trim up your hedges. It's got a ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, so no, uh, no cuts, no nicks. It's got advanced skin safe technology, which is pioneered by Manscaped. Literally, they have improved the technology help make trimming your balls just a little bit safer. I love the Crop Reviver, which is a ball toner. It's a spray you can put on when it's hot. Got a little bit of a swamp situation down there. Hey, I'm moving right now. It's hot, it's humid. Throw a little Crop Reviver on there. I'm feeling a hell of a lot better. I'm telling you guys, they have the best products around. Right now with a perfect package or a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts including the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value. I swear by my travel bag. Literally, I threw my old one out. I'd had it for years, threw it away because this one is big, it's comfy, it looks classy, and uh, you fit everything in there. I can fit my trimmers, my deodorant. Uh, I got hair gel combs, all kinds of crap. It all fits in there. Again, use that code DNVR at manscaped.com. Get 20% off your entire order, free shipping, and you're going to be a whole lot more groomed. You're just gonna you're gonna like the way you look. Yeah, I almost sure. said I guarantee it, but that's a that's a different <laughs> wrong sponsor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, wrong sponsor. That's exactly <laughs> right. And uh, this one's a bit more up to the user, you know, because uh, you might go too short and not like it. You might go too long, not like it. You might uh, try to get creative with some shapey and not like that. So you know, Justin can't guarantee anything. We can't guarantee that this will clean you up real nice and real safe. So there you go. Yeah, we don't have Hank on here to give the full guarantee, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, he, he gets something extra for that endorsement. Um, all right, folks, our most how do we want to frame this? Intriguing, the yeah, intriguing non-conference and matchups we yeah. are most looking forward to. Look, it's July second, um, but doing this gets me so hyped for the college football season to begin because we have some bangers coming up like September, early October, right? Just just as we're wetting the appetite, we're going to get some absolute monster matchups. Do we want to start from what we're most excited for or uh, a reverse order on a top three of sorts? How do you want to do this? Justin, I'll let you take them. Um, 
or Jake. Let's just let's let's just do with what we're what we're most excited for. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a perfect list, right? Right, right, right. You know, right. but there's a lot of like you said, there's a lot there's of a lot. really intriguing games yes. right off the bat. I mean, I like there's three Mountain West games in Week Zero, and they're not going to be that exciting to anybody other than people like me that watch this. But um, I'm just going to throw some games out there. All right, Fresno State yeah. at Oregon. September 1st, right off the bat, that Fresno State team is deceptively going to be really good. They've got Jake Hayner, a mobile athletic mm. quarterback, came yeah. on really strong. Yeah. And you're going up against an Oregon team who might have the number one pick, yes. Kayvon Thibodeau. So, you know, from a draft perspective, there's a lot of intrigue there. You get the West Coast, Mountain West first pack, 12 games tend to be pretty tight. You know, over the years, there have been a lot yeah. of really close games that have come down to the wire. So, Week one, um, that's the game that I'm most excited about. Uh, that and probably San Jose State at USC, which is, again, another Mountain West, San Jose State. They were the Cinderella team to win the Mountain West last year. They've been the, the dumpster fire for about a half decade. They've, they've risen up. They've got a lot of talent in the trenches. They've got um, – John a blank on his name. Oh, my goodness. The quarterback. Quarter, quarterback transferred in from the, from the SEC. Um, Justin. For uh, Fresno? For uh, San Jose State. Oh, San Jose. Um... Anyways, it's going to be a good game. I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up here in a second, and I'm going to be pissed at myself that I forgot it. But that, that's those are the games I'm most excited for in uh, week one. Jake, what are some games you're excited for? Well, uh, the big one, I mean, Georgia Dude. Clemson, man. Just Nick last Starkle. year. Nick Starkle, there you go. Um God. You know, last year, the, everything was weird, but just yeah. missing these September top five, oh. top 10 matchups, just killer. It drove a stake through my heart. So yeah. seeing Georgia and Clemson uh, back right on the schedule the week one. Yes. Just let's go. Um, so many headlines. Uh, Darian Kendrick. And Charlotte. Yep. Darian Kendrick, the uh, yes. former Clemson cornerback, transferred to Georgia. So one of these rare kind of grudge matches for a college football player. Yeah. Um, super hyped about that one. And then, I mean, missed it last year, but Washington and Michigan finally get to, to play off in uh, Ann Arbor. So, yeah. Two intriguing teams with some guys that, you know, a lot of draft interests. They've been down yeah. these last couple of years that potentially could go on runs this year, too. You know, I, I kind of like the shape of both those rosters. I'm, that, that's a great matchup. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson against some of the talent Washington's got in the trenches mm-hmm. is going to be really exciting. And I tell you, um, most likely for how I see things going, that September 4th matchup for Georgia against Clemson is going to be DJ Ugalele's coming out party. You know, I've mm-hmm. said I, I think Clemson's going to end up having the best player in college football for like four years running. Um, and this is where DJ could supplant himself. On the other hand, you got a guy like JT Daniels who could firmly, I mean, you know, fast forward to the draft pot after that week, JT Daniels plays well against Clemson. All of a sudden we're, yeah, we're talking about him real seriously. you got some stud running backs. I'm really interested to see, um, you know, obviously the talent in the trenches is going to be otherworldly. I love Adam Anderson, the edge rusher. Um, but it's, you know, Justin Ross is going to be back. I hate, I hate that we won't see George Pickens for Georgia, but seeing Ross back is going to be huge. I really want to see Georgia's got one of these tight ends. That's like, yeah. you know, and to see him going against some of that talent that Clemson's got at the second and third level is going to be really interesting. So this one's an all-timer. It's, you know, I like to talk about how in the regular season, 
or, or I used to like to talk about, we'd, we'd have like, you, you don't need to extend the playoffs because we have like quarterfinal matchups. This is a quarterfinal match. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who wins this already kind of has a foot in the door in the postseason pretty much. Well, it gives you that benefit of the doubt. If you win that game, you can lose a tight game yeah. down the stretch and it might yeah. not cost you a spot in the playoff. Then again, for one of these teams, if you lose it, all of a sudden those constraints are just a little bit tighter. You can't afford yeah. another loss, so you're probably going to not have a spot in the college football playoff. So it's it's a game that's week one, and, and you hate saying it's a must win, wow. but it kind of is a must win for both of these teams because both of these teams do have college football playoff expectations realistically. Yeah, but on the other hand, if you're going to lose a game, you want to lose a game. That's you know? the one to lose. I yeah. mean, yeah. you think back to, I think it was uh, that 2014 Ohio State team that was the four seed that ended up winning the Natty. They were upset by Virginia Tech in like the second week, and it was a complete non-factor when it became uh, playoff time. Right, and I, I think mean, they got upset twice that year. They lost another weird game in regular season. They might have lost. It might have. Might, that might have. I don't know. These years all blend together. That might have not have been all blend. I'm really excited for Oregon, Ohio State, September 11th. Yes. Um. This. I mean, the fact that Washington and Oregon are playing these kind of matchups this early is going to make the Pac-12 that much more wide open. Oh yeah. Um. I think you might have the best combination of edge rushers in the country in this matchup. Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously, but I mean, Ohio State, I don't need to tell you guys, has some dogs. Tyreek Smith, um, Zach Harrison, the guys that have me most exciting. And you're going to get to see Kayvon go against Thayer Munford, who I think has some real tools as the left tackle. And two programs with otherworldly upside, right, could instantly be playoff contenders. But we got to see how those offenses look, how these new quarterbacks at both programs look. That's going to be massive, uh, not just in that matchup, but kind of like uh, in defining the Pac-12 and Big Ten seasons as a whole. So we're going to get some early answers in that one. That's when I've got circled in a massive Bonus perk, it's on Fox 12 p.m. game, which means you're going to get Gus Johnson on the call. And basically, if you're ever in a position where there's this is a decent game, this is also a decent game. I don't know which one I want to have the audio on, because I assume if you're listening to this pod, you're a college junkie like us and have more than one screen up at any given time. You got to have that audio of Gus Johnson going because he is the most electric voice in all of college football, maybe in all of sports. He's all of football, my favorite yeah. broadcaster by far. Very nice guy, too. Very nice guy. Um, then there's a good game locally. We got Texas A&M at Colorado and Air Force Navy on September 11th as well. So right off the bat, really, and uh, Vanderbilt coming to, to Fort Collins against CSU. Yeah, those will be good ones. Uh, there's NFL talent in all those visitors. Um Minus maybe Navy, but yeah, there's a that's going to be a fun one for sure. With uh, with no Hank here, Dre, that AM's gonna slaughter CU, right? Like, there's just I mean, doom- <laughs> CU's chance would have been to have continuity at quarterback, and unfortunately, Sam Neuer will not be the starting quarterback. And I, you know, there's no reason to be discouraged. Typically, when that happens, it's because the program feels good about their alternatives. And of course, Sam, a very unique case, transferring from safety, kind of late minute, wacky season. Um, and they feel good about that Tennessee transfer as well. But new quarterback. Well, we're high on this Texas A&M team. This isn't like me being a CSU defense. guy. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, no. That, that defense. Well, I mean, they, they were undefeated in the regular season last year until they faced Alabama. 
and uh, then went on to take care of their bull as well, right? That was a UCF yep. matchup. You know, Jimbo's got that program rolling. Uh, they are right on track for where you would have expected them to be. Um, Maybe we're sprinkling a little money on if we're talking long shot, not a long shot, but guys that are teams that are not your couple of favorites to win the national championship. If Obviously, you got to get through Bama. You got to, you know, get to the SEC, which is a, a nightmare in itself. But we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, A&M. Their, their value to win the national championship is not that different than winning the SEC. Absolutely. And I mean, if I could, and I imagine this will be available as things evolve and what have you, but if I could like um, bet to make the playoffs and I could get A&M at plus value, I'd, I'd hammer that away, you know? Um, Cause I think there's a lot of upside and we've gone through this. Their schedule is cake for the SEC West. Their schedule is absurd. It's really favorable. Really nice. Like they, they have like two road games all year. Um, the Nebraska special back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Cincinnati Notre Dame is going to be fun. Yes. Notre Dame's got a, a couple really good um, matchups as always. Wisconsin Notre Dame's going to be really good. Um, and so yeah, and then geez, man, Bama Miami. Mm-hmm. There's just so um, many good games. Now. Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Did you say that one? Yeah, yeah. I just touched on it barely, okay. but like in the trenches, you're gonna have. Yeah, that's a neutral yeah, site game too. They're playing that in Chicago. Yeah, and and you know, Bama, Miami. That's in Atlanta, September fourth. Is Bryce Young gonna be up to speed? How how is Derek King gonna be able to play? Um, it's going to be really interesting. Bubba Bolden, I think, best safety in the country for Miami. That guy flies. Um, a healthy yeah, he Derek flies. King would make things interesting because we've seen that formula before, the veteran mobile quarterback that's able to take down Bama on his like second or third. I mean, Dak did it. Manziel did it, you know, on their yeah. second opportunity. But it just, I don't I, know, the, the depth in the trenches is going to be so significant. It kind of feels like it's going to be like that Alabama-USC game a couple of years ago where everybody hypes it up and then Bama hangs 60 on them. Exactly. If this game was maybe played last year uh, in a non-COVID year when you had Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, and Quincy Roche on the line, then I'd right. maybe give right. Miami, a, I don't know, a slim shot to cover, I guess. I wouldn't say they'd win, but. It's going to be a fun game to see what, you know, the post to, uh, you know, the post Mac Jones Bama offense looks like. Look, man, their defense hasn't been great um, for a minute. And it's been a topic of this show. You could say that about Clemson. You could say that about Ohio State. Standards have been dropped over the last year. Um, I expect that to bounce back. And those are all symptoms of an off year. But it was easy to kind of scoop by when you had record-breaking offenses carrying the defense. If Bryce, you know, like these rules don't necessarily apply to certain programs like Dabo at Clemson, like uh, Saban at Alabama, like Urban, wherever he was. But all other mortals, when you change a quarterback, there's always an opening that you might just you might just have an eight and five season, um, or. That's too many games for the, but you guys get a down year for Bama. It'd be like nine and three, but yeah, totally right. I mean, well, I mean, when you change a quarterback, that could happen. You see LSU go through this every other year, you know, that year when they had a, what was it? Blake Sims and Jake Coker. Didn't they still win the national championship or something? Like 
Yes. So it's in a weird year, though, that there there was a a lot that kind of went favorable for them down the stretch in the last couple of months in terms of top teams losing. Well, their quarterbacks weren't great before that either. You know, McCarron was a game. The defense was better. Right. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they've it's a different era of Alabama football where you are more offense heavy. But okay, now these young guys you've recruited got to show up. What does a Bill O'Brien offense look like at Alabama? Well, that's 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 where we're at. Right, right. O'Brien was pretty dang good at Penn State. Like we, you know, we make can make fun of him all we want for what happened in the Houston Texans, and I think he became a meme of himself. He was actually really good at the Texans as well, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like (laughs) what he does from an offensive schematic standpoint, like the guy knows football. He's just some guys are good coordinators and not good coaches. And Dre, we talked about this a bit last offseason that Bill O'Brien, the head coach, didn't I mean right. the head coach is a really good head coach, I think. Totally. The GM. Um, the GM is what got him yeah. fired. So yeah. um, I mean, I don't know. I was always impressed with how, especially you know, how he built oh, the offense yeah. around Deshaun Watson coming in that 100%. year, um rebuilding Penn State off the ground after he was just hired there. Well, he'll he get another winning, shot. He made winning with the Texans like second nature. That's not yeah. You know, he he turned Penn State around real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think there's a lot of quality as a coach, but clearly there's a disconnect as a GM and also in some of his people management skills, right? Because the DeAndre Hopkins yeah. trade isn't just that's a what bad I meant. Trade. Like good coordinator, not a coach. You know there's what I mean? Some like mismanagement. Yeah. yeah, no, I hear you. I mean because that's a big part of it. But look, man, we all have, you know, like Saban doesn't strike me as the most people person in the world. We all have our quirks, right? But we, we got to find a way around it and figure it out. Um, you know, Mike Gundy Saban, doesn't though. strike me as the most stable level-headed human being. No, that's a perfect example. <laughs> but he can win in the Big 12, right? Like, So good call. It's all relative, man. It's all relative. I will say Bama guys, particularly like Granite, when when you're hearing a superstar's perspective, you have to remember the lens that they're viewing things through because their relationship with the coach is always going to be better than the second and third string guys that bust their butts but don't get the playing time. There seems to be a thing with Saban and, and the guys, like, we see him chew them out, but I think behind closed doors, he does a good job of, you know, being that, you know, I love you, you know, it's not bad, like, I just have these standards. I know you can meet them. Mm-hmm. I do this not because I'm mad at you, but because no. I'm trying to bring the best out of you. Anyways, I'm a saving defender. So just inherently, I have to throw that okay. out there whenever, whenever it comes Supreme up. Supreme motivator. Because um, you wouldn't win. You wouldn't win that consistently if you didn't have any people skills. There's yeah, absolutely. And just recruiting skills in general. That's all people that skills. That as well. There's a shot of last chance you right at the end of one of the seasons. And they're going from one of the community colleges, like a huddle with one of the community college coaches, you know, cussing and this and that, and, you know, just emotional kind of speech after a practice, whatever. And then they uh, camera switches to like one of the guys has made it to Florida, I think, because I think it's Dan Mullen talking. Uh, maybe it's an old enough episode where it's Mississippi State. But in two seconds of hearing the community college coach and Dan Mullen coach, it's like, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, it's mm-hmm. all like, this is what we were trying to accomplish. This is where we succeeded. This is where we, you know, it's all just like very structured, concise communication. Guys like Saban have mastered that beyond, you know, and can say two words to motivate. You can say two words to like, get you in gear and get you going it's it, it's a 
it's a skill that's worth millions of dollars, no doubt. Um, to go back to the schedule real quick, though. Can yeah, I'll last. Sorry, UCF? yeah. Bring last us back around, Jake. Bring us home. <laughs> Please do. Um, UCF's got some exciting out-of-conference games. They open up with Boise State um, in at home, which is going to be, I mean, as a G5 matchup, that's top of the line right there. Both of those teams are yeah. expecting to, you know, to be up there with Cincinnati in terms of the best G5 team, you know, being mm-hmm. in that conversation for New Year's Six borderline college football playoff. We'll have to see. In a four in a four team format, I just don't see a G five team getting in without some really weird stuff happening. But for G five standards, that's like Georgia Clemson. Like those yeah. are the yeah. like, tippity I, top yeah. of the tippity top. Yeah. And then oh, uh, two weeks game. after that, they go to Louisville, uh, which will be a fun game with um Dude. God, I can't remember his name right now. The quarterback for Louisville is a guy that we all like though, uh, Cunningham. Right. And then they play right. Navy two weeks after that, which uh, is Navy AAC or are they independent? No, they're in the American, yeah. Oh, okay. So never mind. That's in conference, but still, that's fun. Well, Cincinnati also playing a a pretty intense non-conference schedule. We already talked about them once. They also, on uh, September 18th, week three, play at Indiana, a team huge. You know, there's a lot of draft prospects in that game. We're talking about, we want to see how does Penix look post-injury, you know, what or how does Freifogel look now that he came back? Yeah, boy. No, and I mean, Desmond Ritter's going to be on the field. You'll have MJ Sanders, who's one of the more exciting edge rushers. I mean, um, Fickle's got that defense humming at Cincy. Uh, that's a big one. That's, and mm-hmm. Indiana, really one of the more exciting storylines is, is last year's season got a bit of an asterisk. And it's funny, I say this about Indiana, no one questions a and season, right? Um, under probably easier circumstances, Frank. Good point. Uh, but yeah, this is a big prove it year for Indiana. I mean, shoot, you put you tack two years in a row. That Big Ten East has been like prime for the taking forever. Yeah, you can jump on that. Don't don't overlook the Hoosiers, man. That's a 10 a.m. Mountain Time kickoff too, so you get to start your day off with a game like that, which is that's the dream. That's the best part about college football is that you just it's on if you're in the Mountain Time Zone. Comes on 10 a.m. I have football on consistently till at least 1231 in the morning. Oh, the absolute best, dude. I forgot I, I get to, to live my life like that for three months. Right? I actually forgot that. It's true. Oh. And then Sunday comes around and I do it all over again. God, nothing. Where my girlfriend is cringing as she hears me talking about watching 16 straight hours of football. I was thinking it's a mere miracle. I am married. Um, <laughs> I think. I think there's no 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 better way to end this show than this. This was fun, guys. A little more open topics. Um, we really got to get in the weeds on a lot of this. Um, I thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Justin. We're presented by DraftKings. We'll have Hank back next week. And um, yeah, we're just getting closer and closer to actually getting to witness these lovely matchups on the field. Um, we back, baby. We back. Right. We're yeah, back, back, back. Real college football. Fans, bands, trash talking. Hopefully, no fights. There've been too many fights at, no, at stadiums, but there's going to be an insane amount of fights. But yeah, we're changed like, people post COVID, so now we fight like animals. So that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. It's uh, it'll all come back. It'll all come back. Twelve hours every Saturday of college football will slowly repair that void in our hearts. Uh, I guarantee we'll be better. Slowly, sure. Best of luck, guys. We'll be back soon.